Good day and welcome to Film Exploration with Ash Home. We continue on season seven where the show is concentrating on women in films. And for today's episode, we'll be talking about a film that has just hit our screen with critical acclamation, scoring big with audiences and grabbing prestige at the 93rd Academy Awards. So for today's episode, I should be talking about the 2021 revenge fantasy film thriller, Promising Young Women. Written and directed by Emerald Fennell and starring Carrie Mulligan, Bo Burnham, Adam Brody, Alfred Molina and Jennifer Coolidge. A film that is on the verge of being called a drama, a film that is unfortunately called a revenge fantasy. Unfortunate because the very idea of doing what Cassandra does in this movie has no ramifications of evil or harshness. In fact, quite the reverse. The quest that she chooses to go on tackles a very serious issue in the film and regrettably in today's world... That has been going on for longer than we can remember. The title itself is quite revealing towards the film's conclusion, only if you understand the reference Fennel may have intentionally created, and if you happen to listen to her opinion on the film's title. There was a Stanford student called Brock Turner. You may have heard of him, who at 19 years old raped a 22-year-old student by the name of Chanel Miller. He was indicted with five charges, two for rape, two for sexual assault, and one for attempted rape. Of course, he denied all charges. He was found guilty by the state of California and sentenced to six months in prison, three years probation, and to be listed as a sex offender for the rest of his life. But he ended up being released three months early, and when this rapist was released, the media labelled him not as a rapist, but as a star swimmer, a Stanford student, a promising young man. Not a rapist... Not a vile animal, not a convicted felon, a promising young man. The media who labelled him these positive attributes were at the time Sports Illustrated and, shame to say it, the BBC. It wasn't until further down the article or story did they even mention his sexual assault. There was a lot of controversy revolving around A, his light sentence, and B, how the media chose to portray this man on more than one occasion, calling him a promising young man. So it's safe to assume Emerald Fennell used this provocative phrase and turned it on its head on the right side of justice for her motion picture. When asked about the title, she didn't clarify that it was a reference to the Brock Turner trial, but instead said that is a phrase that is thrown around when young men do something wrong. She also said there is this inclination to be forgiving towards them, whether it's assault or if they have a gun or something like that, that she entirely believes it's all forgiving. But she also believes in equality, and the phrase promising young women is hardly ever used, and if it is used, it's to describe a girl who is no longer alive. She ends up saying, you can only truly be a promising young woman when it's too late, when your promise is completely aborted. Which is what I meant earlier when I said you might understand the reference to this if you've seen the movie. Promising Young Women is Emerald Fennell's directorial debut film. She made a short film, actually, 13 minutes long, I think. It was called Careful How You Go. Uh, but you must know her from The Crown, where she plays Camilla Bowles. Where she has made some appearances in some other pre-post-period pieces, like Anna Karina, and also in the Oscar-nominated film The Danish Girl, where she plays Elsa. And speaking of the Oscars, Promising Young Women, for a debut film for a first-time director, did extremely well. It was nominated for five Oscars, including Best Actress, and more importantly, Best Director, making Emerald Fennell one of only seven women to be nominated for that specific award in the Academy's 93-year history. The sixth and seventh women were both that year, where Chloe Zhao ended up winning for Nomadland, which marks the second time ever a woman's won it. So Emerald Fennell was personally nominated for three awards of the five, Best Director, Best Film, as producer, and of course, Best Original Screenplay, in which she won the latter, winning the film's only award on the 93rd Academy Awards. 
She said she shot the film in 23 days and she described herself as heavily pregnant during the shoot of the movie. It's not the first time she's written about dominantly aggressive women. She also wrote a few episodes of Killing Eve too. She even makes a little cameo in the film as the presenter of the YouTube clip that Carrie Mulligan watches called Blowjob Lips. Her uh, first short film called Careful As You Go, as I mentioned earlier, also makes a little cameo in the movie. It has the title of the book Cassie is reading at the coffee house right at the start. So that's a nice little nod to her first film. But more impressively, I mean, she joins only 12 other directors who have been nominated on their first films. Only on that list are Orson Welles for Citizen Kane, Sam Mendes for American Beauty and Tony Gilroy for Michael Clayton. Out of all of the other 11, she is the first woman or woman on that list, which makes her the first and only woman so far to have a debut film nominated for best director this is carrie mulligan's second nomination for leading actress after her performance in an education 11 years ago which also features alfred molina strangely though he's not listed in the credits for this movie which is quite interesting I'm not sure why but carrie mulligan secured the role comfortably after meeting up with emerald fennel both from the london area one from hammersmith and the other one from oak westminster she was especially nervous of playing someone who was drunk, which is apparently notoriously a very hard thing to do. But, you know, took some advice from Emerald when she said, remember, you're not actually drunk in these scenes. You're completely sober, just pretending to be drunk. So it doesn't need to be perfect. I mean, this took some, if not all, of the weight off her shoulders when performing those scenes. However, Emerald told Carrie that she played it perfectly, saying her drunk acting was actually pretty good. And you have to agree. So she sent Carrie Mulligan a playlist that would sort of set the mood for this film, which I find quite actually refreshing because most directors, um, when they've casted their actors for, you know, they give them a selection of films to watch in preparation for the role. Emerald is one of a select few that I know who gave their lead music instead of films to capture the tone of the film. So she gave Britney Spears' song Toxic to listen to. Just that song, nothing else. She doesn't really shy away at all um, with being a huge fan of Britney Spears and just general female 90s pop. There was an interview, I think there was an interview with GQ, where she said she hates that these genres of songs and artists are known usually as a guilty pleasure. And I put myself under that category because, you know, I like Jerry Halliwell or, um, you know, Britney Spears' song and, you know, you don't really want to admit it, but you, you, you love their songs and you find yourself singing to them when they're on TV. But, you know... So she sort of rebels against that term and heavily featured 90s pop culture music like Britney Spears, Jerry Halliwell, um, Paris Hilton, and of course the Spice Girls. I mean, this film actually marks the first time a film that's been nominated for an Oscar for Best Film has featured a song by the Spice Girls, which is a really cool fact. I mean, it's taken that long, but it's finally happened. Um, but the scene at the end, you know, where Cassie appears towards, you know, the bachelor party features a very beautiful yet eerie cover of Britney Spears' Toxic Done. I think it's done instrumentally on the violin and it's very eerie. And I didn't recognize it at first. I mean, in, my, in the back of my head, I knew what the song was, but I couldn't really place my finger on it. But yeah, it's a very dark version of uh, Britney Spears' Toxic, which I think features twice in the movie. It's a bit where you, you know, recognise that song but quite can't put your hand on it. But I think the song actually makes uh, two features, like I said. I mean, it's not it's not surprising because Emerald loves Britney Spears. But, um, yeah, Promising Young Women, I mean, it's described as a revenge fantasy. But, you know, what is this film actually about if you haven't seen it? I mean, it's an ex-medical student who now works carefree at a coffee house. She still lives at home. But she leads this double life because when at night she hunts down predators at nightclubs and bars who are willing to take advantage of her apparent drunk state. She lures them in by acting drunk and seeing how far the men will take advantage of her throughout these nights. She is both ruthless and cunning in her search for justice and as she plots continues... 
or has the plot continued, sorry, we see a past that creeps up on her, which gives her this motive for her double life and her master plan to right the wrongs that people or society seem to have turned an eyelid to. I mean, the idea simply stems from something small from Emerald Fennel when she thought of a woman lying on her bed with her trousers down and she asks, and the girl asks in a drunken state, what are you doing? And then doing a complete 180 and asking the same question again, but in a completely sober manner. I mean, from that idea, the film develop, you know, develops what you've seen now. And even the initial idea is in the film, I think, right at the beginning. I mean, unlike the cathartic violence in Kill Bill, what Cassandra does is a realistic fight for justice that people are watching with a close eye. She stays hidden but present, but it matters to reveal her true nature to the male predators. What is quite refreshing, again, is that she doesn't do anything to the men, but give them like just a serious wake-up call to suggest that there are worse women out there who will probably do a lot worse. She's merely a messenger, a realisation that there are men who think they can get away with this sort of behaviour. Her broken past has given her that resilience to endure the foreplay of these men to the point where it becomes a hard fact when she becomes suddenly sober to give them that friendly yet shocking warning she doesn't kill them she doesn't hold them hostage she doesn't drug them she simply opens their eyes to the fact that this is not as trivial as men may think the world is changing and there are people women who will do something about it now, I keep mentioning time and time again how refreshing this film is, and it also shines in how realistic Cassandra is. Unlike, you know, the bride in Kill Bill who fights off a hundred samurai war single-handedly, which is fun to watch, but she relishes in the fact that all that needs to be done is her presence at the men's most vulnerable point when they think it could happen. I mean, if you look closely at the imagery of the film, and this is confirmed by Emerald Fennel, Cassandra is what you would call this avenging angel looking out for the good in women. And Fennel uses this, you know, this iconography, this mise-en-scene, uh, the props in the movie to emphasize the symbolic, uh, the symbolic nature of her being an angel. I mean, about an hour into the movie, there's a shot where she's at the coffee house and it looks like Cassandra has a halo on her head, making her look like a saint. I mean, the same image in the imagery kind of appears when she is at lunch with Madison and there's like this light above her on the ceiling, which also makes it look like she has a halo. And if you want to look even more closely at this, her headboard of her bed looks like angel wings and she always positions herself right in the middle. Now this all could be by accident but like I always say nothing is done by accident in the film and this is certainly somewhat confirmed at the end of the film when the song playing at the end of the movie is called Angel of the Morning. Most associate the character of you know, Cassandra as an angel and from this imagery as a saint and saints are unfortunately usually martyrs who have died for their beliefs much like her shocking murder at the end of the movie spoiler alert by the way even the name cassandra holds significance to her character in the movie i mean in greek mythology um, she was a trojan princess uh, i think she was daughter of priam and hecuba and she was given the gift of prophecies but she completely rejected this gift so apollo made sure that no one would believe a word she said despite her knowing the prophecy this somewhat acts as a comparison to the film where cassandra is trying to introduce truth to something that has happened in the past but refuses to think it's wrong or simply refuse to think about it because they know how wrong it is. You know, Cassandra is like the only person who holds what happens close to her and she doesn't dismiss it, not for one bit. In Christianity, I mean, the Bible mentions uh, Cassandra as she who entangles men, who is probably why, which is probably why Emerald Fennel picked this name. The etymology of the name literally means helper of mankind. So maybe she's trying to help men as well as scare them. Who knows? I mean, originally the film was going to end with Cassie's death and, you know, that would be the final scene. But it, they added the uh, the wedding scene where everyone gets their comeuppance. Also, it was almost it was 
you know, it was most likely going to be slated by critics for a character as carefully and meticulous as Cassandra to allow herself to go into a bachelor party without a backup plan. Plus, it adds to the imagery where she, you know, seems to be a saint and died for a reason to avenge a friend from medical school. So the scene at the end where she's being smothered, um, I read, wasn't done by a stuntwoman. It was actually done by Carrie Mulligan herself. And as you can see, it was all done in one shot. And I think I read somewhere that Emerald Fennell consulted in her father-in-law, who's a police officer, and she asked him how long it would take to smother someone before they die. And he responded, well, it's about two and a half minutes, which is exactly how long it takes in the movie. I mean, the deadly realisation of her death acts as both an incredible arch for a strong female, complex female character that in turn is realistic despite the actions in the movie that a man would have overpowered her and also an emphasis to the general thinking of some men when she dies in the movie. Her death is somewhat hinted from, once again, the imagery that Emerald Fennel decides to drop into the scene of the Avenging Angel, or Cassandra seems to be. You know, there's a skull that sits in frame between the final confrontation between Cassie and Bo. It could maybe signify the death or end of their relationship, which happens at that scene, or maybe hinting of the foreshadowing death of Cassie that is to come. Who knows? But what the movie does is portray women on how men would like to see women pretty, pink, cosy and completely accessible and within their power to do whatever they choose they want to this is deliberately connoted by the warm vibrant look of the film the costume and the candy theme music and the backdrop you know however you know underneath this layer of pink and coziness is a hard still interior with a raw motive that is out for not blood but justice and awareness However vague at some points on her final endgame with her victims, the film chooses to be realistic rather than macabre, chooses to kill our main character, teases her survival and then cuts to the happiness of a wedding of the antagonist in the next shot. You know, in an interview, Emerald Fennell said that she originally planned to write a more conventional cathartic ending for Cassie, but while writing the scene at the bachelor party, she realised... The ending didn't fit with the story as she told it. I cannot imagine being in a room with a man threatening him where it plays out in any different way, no matter how much we want it to be the case. I mean, the film allows a clearly vibrant revenge thriller to exist in a world where nothing Hollywood happens and still remains colourful. It's truly a great entry for best film at the 93rd Academy Awards, and I really thought it might have won, just might, maybe might have just slipped in there. I mean, the message is as clear as day in this movie that this rape culture does exist. It's happened in the past and it's happening now. And besides this film being hard to watch at times, triggering certain feelings, the film is there for awareness just as much as it's there for entertainment. For the hopeful and optimistic, the film is also there as a warning that times are changing and there will be consequences to this rape culture. The film is a clear middle finger to the patriarchy that audiences want you know are craving for there's this very old saying that says that who seeks revenge should dig two graves now most films that tackle this theme of rape or vengeance usually come out on top and survive to give that false sense of closure but as we know that is far from the truth and what this film attempts to tackle is the self you know application pain of sexual assault and how it never goes away. I mean, the damage will always be there and it will really never go away. And it's about living with it. I mean, the film could have ended any other way if it was following the realms of authenticity. It, it, it couldn't, I mean, I, it couldn't have, it couldn't have ended any other way. And for it to be authentic like that, I just hold my hands up to Emerald Fennel. The film, which doesn't even mention the word rape or sexual assault at any point. However, it does spell them out throughout the plot of the, this bubblegum thriller 
but it doesn't shy away from being colourful and, dare I say, girly, but instead pushes the facts hard in our faces that not everywhere, every, you know, not everything we watch in Hollywood should be entertaining, but maybe just educational and a wake-up call to the world that we live in. But listen, anyways, that's all I have time for with Promising Young Woman, a remarkable debut film from Emerald Fennel, and I'm sure I'm not alone in saying that I can't wait to see what she cooks up next, but please subscribe to me on Spotify, Google, and iTunes, and you can also follow me on Instagram. That's Film Exploration AH, or lowercase or one word. And once again, thank you for listening to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry.